Greetings, Spartan family. Welcome to our podcast. This is your podcast host for episode two, Lake Forest Superintendent Stephen Lucas. And I'm proud to bring you the second episode of our podcast about the Lake Forest School District in fabulous Felton, Delaware. I'm here today with District Chief Financial Officer, Mr. Kurt Kellerman, and together we'll be talking about the district and specifically about the world of school finance. We're glad you're here and ask you to share this podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. They can find us on most podcast providers. Be sure to bookmark us and allow notifications so you will know when a new episode is posted. So now, on with the show. Mr. Kellerman, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for partnering with me this month to help inform our listeners about school finance and more specifically, the financial status of our great district. Can you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and how you came to know about school finance? Uh, Sure. Thank you, Dr. Lucas. Uh, Good morning to everyone. Uh, First off, I started my state service uh, as a budget analyst with the Office of Management and Budget for a couple of years there, overseeing several different state agencies, one of those state agencies being higher education entities throughout the state. So that being the University of Delaware, Dell Tech, Del, um, and Dell State University. So uh, that gave me a little bit of an introduction to state finances and also the higher education finances. Uh, from there, I moved on to the Delaware State Police as the controller there and managed their budget for approximately five years. And then I saw this opportunity here at Lake Forest, and I kind of knew all along that um, the school districts was kind of where I, I, I saw my end game in terms of um, financial management and, and being a chief financial officer in a school district and, and being able to provide my expertise there. So um, so this opportunity um, came up at Lake Forest and, and it was one that I, I just felt I couldn't turn down. And, and, and here I am three and a half years later, uh, still enjoying my position and seeing what I can do for the uh, community here. We are glad to have you aboard. And uh, let's get into a little bit about school finance, because I'm sure everybody in the district would like to know, uh, how do schools get their money? How exactly are the school, is this school district funded? Well, you know, I was kind of wondering, Dr. Lucas, you know, if these podcasts take off and go viral, do you think we could potentially get some (laughs) some additional revenue out of these? I mean, isn't that what all these social media influencers are hoping for to strike it rich and, you know, get some, you know, produce some entertaining and interesting content and get some advertising revenue out of that? But no, um, you know, really bake sales, fundraisers, they're nice for extracurricular programs, but um, they don't quite get the job done for running a school district. And for school districts, we get our money primarily from three main sources, that being the state, uh, our local tax revenues, and federal funds. And Delaware's public schools get the vast majority of our funding from the state. Now, in neighboring states, the counties play a much more prominent role in education funding, since that's how they're organized. But Delaware is a very small state, in fact, small enough that the state government picks up 70 to 75% of our funding. And only about 20% of our funds come from these local property taxes, and the rest come from federal grants. So if you ever wondered why many of our neighbors are retirees from New York and New Jersey, it's because our property taxes are so low. We were among the five lowest property taxed states in the country. But the state doesn't just give every district the same amount of money, though. It varies by the enrollment size of the district. Every September, we count how many kids are in our schools and report it to the Department of Education, and they in turn give us funding based on that enrollment number. Now, it's not strictly enrollment. It also accounts for the needs of our student population. 
if two similar school districts both have 1,000 students, but one has 200 students identified for special needs, and another one only has 100 students for special needs, that district with 200 special needs students is going to get more funding. So it is a combination of enrollment and the needs of the student population that determines how much that state uh, provides for in terms of funding. The local funds make up a small portion of our total source of funds, but those local funds can be very pivotal in the ability of the district to differentiate themselves from other districts to attract quality educators. That's very interesting. I appreciate you letting, uh, the, letting us know about that. Um, so uh, now we know a little bit about how the district gets their, their revenue, how the, gets their money. Uh, how do they decide what to spend it on? Well, I imagine there are those out there who believe uh, we don't spend it on the right things, like my child's school has a leaky roof. Um, but you'd be very surprised to see that we really don't have that much latitude in how we spend the majority of our funds. Uh, discretionary expenses account for a little more than 20% of the entire budget. And so what are discretionary expenses? They're kind of what's left when you, uh, what you have left after you paid for everything else that you absolutely have to. So in a household, that might be, you know, your dining out or entertainment money or uh, what you use to upgrade your car or transportation. But your mortgage, your insurance, your utility bills and taxes you pay, those are non-discretionary because you have to pay those. Uh, many people don't understand that 70% of a teacher's salary is paid from state funds. And the other 30% is paid from these local discretionary funds. But when about 80% of your discretionary budget is to pay for local salaries, that means you really only have that remaining 20% of local funds to decide where to spend it. And so when you account for that fact that local funds make up a small portion of the budget, we really only have about 4 to 5% of the entire budget to spend on things we want to spend it on. So unfortunately, some of those things, those things really aren't that discretionary, like school bus transportation and computers and everyday operating expenses like supplies for the classroom, building maintenance. We do, however, try to leverage documents, though, like our strategic plan uh, to help target where we want to spend those additional precious discretionary dollars, though. Is there something else uh, people would be surprised to know about school finance? Uh, well... I think the biggest thing that I was surprised about to come when I came over here is it's not easy. School finance is very, very complicated. Uh, I came over from previous, previously managing the state police budget, and it was overwhelming the number of different funding sources and restrictions on their use. We are constantly being audited. It can be incredibly complicated when you have 30 different types of state funding, another 40 or 50 different types of local budgets, and another 10 different kinds of federal funds, all from multiple fiscal years and each designated for a specific purpose, carrying limitations and restrictions on how they are all used. And many times you have enough of one type of funds, but not enough of another. But you can't just say, I want to use these funds I have extra here and use them to buy something else from this other area where I don't have enough funds. It just doesn't work that way. Knowing that and, and hearing in the media oftentimes about how certain government agencies or government entities are in trouble financially, what is the, what is the financial health of the Lake Forest School District? How are we looking right now? Yeah, well, fortunately, uh, currently it's the best we've seen in several years, despite having the lowest tax rate in Kent County. But it will be short-lived if we don't act soon. 
About five years ago, we were on the brink of the worst financial health in the last 15 to 20 years in this district, and we made drastic cuts across the board. Had those cuts not worked to put an end to several straight years of operating budget deficits, we would have been asking the district residents for a tax increase a few years ago. Uh, the federal relief from the pandemic also gave us some breathing room, though. But most of the cuts from five years ago are still in place. Unfortunately, we're faced with the worst inflation in over 40 years, and those reduced budgets can't be maintained any longer. Some budgets have operated fine with the reduced amounts, but others, like transportation, just had to be adjusted up to upward. We really didn't have a choice. And we are starting to see that now in other areas as well. Well, hopefully it's not news to the fine folks in the Lake Forest School District that we are uh, moving forward to uh, propose a tax referendum in May, specifically Election Day being May 6th. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, referendums are common across the country, and they're used by school districts and counties to raise funds in areas where they have insufficient funds. So there's two kinds of referendums, though. The first is a capital referendum, and it's used to ask the voters to support a tax increase for major capital improvement projects, for instance, like building a new school or renovating your existing schools. Our district's last capital referendum vote was in 2014 to make renovations to each of the schools, like uh, for instance, the new artificial turf at the high school in the FFA building. But we have three schools in the district that are approaching 100 years in age. If we were to want to replace one of those and build a new one, we would need to hold a capital referendum vote to raise the funds to build that new school. The second type of referendum is an operating referendum, which is used to raise money or taxes to cover increased operating costs or even new initiatives that are funded through operating funds. The last operating referendum vote we had was in December of 2012 and only passed by the narrowest of margins. As I mentioned earlier, with record inflation and budgets that have already gone through rounds of cuts, we soon expect to see a trend of operating budget deficits again. We're also working to make our schools even safer by adding constables in each school, and this initiative requires local funding. We're proud of the fact that we have the lowest tax rates in the county and state but we're falling further behind the neighboring school districts with respect to those critical local salaries. Those local salaries that make up roughly 30% of a teacher's pay are becoming increasingly critical in being able to attract and retain talented educators. When demand for teachers is outstripping supply, it becomes mission critical that we can remain competitive with our salaries. Our starting teacher salaries behind every other school district in Kent County and all but one of the 19 public school districts in the state. And I'm amazed that despite that, we literally have some of the best performing elementary schools in the state. That's really a testament to the commitment of those teachers. And in my opinion, I think we do more with less than any other district in the state. Yeah, I have to agree with you uh, on that, uh, Mr. Kellerman. Our folks are amazing. They do amazing things. And uh, they, we deserve to give them a competitive wage. So what I heard you say is that this referendum is going to go to address safety and security, uh, technology, transportation, and uh, that all-important uh, recruitment and retention of some highly qualified staff. So for the folks listening to this podcast, what can they do to help? What can they do at home to help get this referendum passed uh, on May 6th? 
Well, you know, I was thinking about that. What do you think about getting some volunteers to wear one of those Statue of Liberty costumes on a corner in Harrington and street corner in Harrington twirling the vote yes for referendums? You know, Mr. Thomas over at East <laughs> Elementary School, I think, would be great for that. I'll do it. Uh, seriously, though, I think it's really important for each person to understand the why of what we've just discussed. Unlike some of our neighboring states, we don't have the ability to raise the operating portion of the property tax each year to match inflation or increase at a set 2 to 3% each year. It's been stuck at the current level for the past eight years because we don't have the latitude to increase it. So the system we live in requires us to go to the people every so often to request to have that rate increased. Everyone needs to understand that we continue to fall behind our neighboring school districts in pay, where we sit dead last in Kent County in many areas, And the staff at our schools deserve more than that. We don't have the best paying school districts because we really don't have the tax base to the likes of a a Cape Henlopen or an Indian River or even Capital and Dover. But we do need to be more competitive. So please understand the why and be able to communicate that with your friends and neighbors who live in the district. Follow our social media and like and share and comment on our posts when we start pushing out messages to support the referendum. That's one of the easiest ways to get involved and support our cause, I think. That's great. Those are great ideas. And I also, you know, think it's important to share uh, the great things that your your students' teachers are doing, your, your students' administrators are doing. I mean, there are great things going on in the Lake Forest School District every day. Unfortunately, I have to ask, what happens if the referendum does not pass? What, what does the district do then? Yeah, it is true that we have run budget surpluses the past four years and improved our district reserve cash balance by around 50%. But once we start using these reserve funds to cover constables, the increased cost of transportation, and increases on the local portion of our salaries, those funds won't get replenished. I like to compare it to kind of running your own household. You have a job that brings in a certain amount of money each year to pay for your cost of living, and you have a savings account. But maybe higher gas prices and increased cost of groceries has you spending uh, more from that savings account now because your income isn't enough to cover those increased costs. Or you have a kid in college and are trying to help pay for that. You cut back where you can, but you you get to the point where you, you can't cut back anymore. So your only other option is to maybe get a second job or a higher paying job to prevent you from completely draining that savings account. That savings account is our district reserve, and it can only last so long before we deplete it. The second job or higher paying job is effectively us asking for a tax increase. At some point, we need to bring in increased levels of income to cover those new and increased costs to make ends meet. We can increase salaries to be more competitive, but it won't take long before we deplete that savings account, and then we can no longer afford it. The only way to truly be more competitive is to raise that tax base to generate an increased level of revenues that can support the increased salaries longer term instead of just two or three years by relying on our, our district reserve balance or that savings account. But really, I think never in the last 40 years, I think, do we need our teachers more now than ever. Their numbers are dwindling and the supply of new teachers is just not keeping up. Their pay is lower when compared to similarly educated professionals, and families continue to expect more from them. Studies have shown that higher paid teachers do correlate to higher math and language test scores. And unfortunately, parent-teacher relationships are at their most challenged levels in decades. 
we as parents really need to put more trust in them to allow them to do their jobs and truly demonstrate that we support them through these difficult times. I believe voting yes at that referendum on May 6 will help demonstrate that support. Thanks, Mr. Kellman. Well said, and I agree with you. Our teachers are amazing, and uh, they deserve to be compensated for the hard work that they do. Uh, remember, teaching is the uh, profession that makes all other professions possible. So without them, uh, I can't imagine the kind of culture and society we would live in. And I am sure the concerned people of this district are going to get out on May 6th, and they are going to support that referendum. So that about does it for today's podcast, Spartan Family. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback to the show, please leave us a comment. We hope you join us for episode three when I interview Lake Forest High School principal, Mrs. Manit Dupris, to talk about the year over at the high school and those awesome spring events that go on, including graduation. You will not want to miss it. Thank you. Until then, take care of each other. And both Mr. Kellerman and I look forward to seeing you on a Lake Forest campus soon.